All right. Well, hey, we are uh, we're on part three of a five-part series that I have perhaps strangely entitled Killing Chicken Little. Um, the idea behind this is that the old story of Chicken Little, uh, where the acorn falls on the head, Chicken Little freaks out, grabs all the fowl, runs to try to tell the king that the sky is falling and, and it's over, and the fox says, hey, do you know where the king is? No, I don't. And the fox takes all these uh, animals to the den, eats them, and the world is indeed over. And so we go from an acorn to sudden death because you freaked out about an acorn. And so we don't want that to happen to you. What we want is to recognize this reality, not only in that story, but to recognize that Jesus made this point so clear that faith and worry are competitors for your soul. When he told the story of the seed on the soil, he got to the third seed falling on the soil and it fell into the thorns. And when the disciples later asked him, can you help us understand what in the world you're saying? He said, let me just be clear with you. There is seed of the word of God that falls into people's hearts and it's the worries and anxieties of life that choke it out, and they do not mature. So there are people who hear it, who look like they're growing, but they stop because of worry and anxiety. And so for me, it's more than obviously a story. It's this reality that faith and worry are competitors for your growth and for your development, and I want you to grow, and I want to grow with you. And so I'm using this story to leverage it for its perhaps strangeness of its title. I don't want you to forget it. But at the end of the day, I want you to see faith and worry as competitors, and every time we worry and are anxious in real life, it's an opportunity to grow in our faith. All right? So that's kind of the, the big picture of this thing, really briefly. Um, we talked about what worry is, and I just said it this way, using the, the, really the Greek word to describe it and define it, that worry is undue concern, <clears throat> and essentially you get to figure out what is undue and what is due. That there's no, um, there's no way that you should be free from all anxiety, right? Like in Vernon and Deb's story, if you hear a bump in the night in your own home, there should be something in you that spurs that little anxiety thing. Like, mm, you should probably react to that or do something or think about that. Probably just shouldn't say, like, hey, honey, go check it out. I'm going to keep sleeping. Like, there should be an anxiety that's stirred in you to do something good and protect the family. Like, that's good anxiety. But this is undue concern. Talking about taking that a whole step further in a whole variety of ways. So worry is when that stuff just comes over top of you. You almost can't even function. It becomes such a big deal. People around you know when you're worrying often more than you do. We talked about that, worry being undue concern. We also talked about this, that from a church perspective, and I really just want to emphasize this again, that we are talking <clears throat> about the spiritual foundation of worry, but there's other things that feed into worry. There's environmental concerns, there's uh, medical or biological concerns, there's character issues, and we're talking about the spiritual piece. All right, so just, again, I, when I have a headache, I take Advil because there's something off. Like, there's nothing wrong with working out how do I work the medical piece into uh, this whole thing about worry and anxiety. It's worth a conversation if it's not a simple fix. All right, we, we can talk more about that later, but I'm trying to summarize briefly. All right, now, here's where we've been. We've been in a little book called Philippians, and in a minute I'm going to have you turn there, but we've been there, and here's what we said so far, that Paul is writing, and he's saying, Number one, rejoice in the Lord. I want you to rejoice in him and develop gratitude. And then number two, he said, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, present your request to God. And so last week we talked about that, that in everything, that habit, what I wanted to introduce to you last week was in the worry cycle, I wanted to introduce to you, put in the worry cycle at least, put in a moment of prayer at the beginning of the worry cycle. Like before you go 
full-on worry and the end is coming, just for a moment, just stick in at the beginning of that prayer. Just put it in there. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, like introduce, if you introduce in your own life the discipline and the habit of, as I'm anxious, I'm going to introduce prayer into that cycle. I'm telling you, that can be a game changer for how you begin to process worry and anxiety. That, and that's what, it's a gift to us in Philippians 4, verse 6. Now, we're going to go Philippians 4, 7 this morning. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Philippians 4, 7. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew near you. And if you don't know where Philippians is, not a problem at all. Just check it out in the table of contents. It's in the New Testament, which is the right third of your Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. I mentioned last week, Amazon released data in 2014 that told us that readers highlighted Philippians 4, 6, and 7 more than any other verses in the entire Bible, which is a very interesting tell on how people come to the Scriptures. And here's, I will tell you right, right, right up front on this thing, here's my concern for us. Philippians 4, 7 seems to deliver an awesome promise. Like, this thing is really big. And this is why I think so many people underline it in the, the Kindle version of the Bible. Like, this is such a big promise that if I were going through anxiety, man, I would underline it too. And I would try to memorize it too. Now, here's my concern for us, that if we misunderstand this promise, one of two things will happen. We will think either there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with God. Door number three is maybe I've misunderstood and what I don't want for you is to be someone who walks through anxiety and thinks, wait, there's something in the Bible that seems to promise God's peace in the middle of anxiety. I don't experience it right now. Therefore, there must be something wrong with me or something wrong with God. Either way, I'm giving up because that doesn't work. And so, I'm going to handle it. God isn't delivering I guess I could try to trust, but it hasn't worked, and so, whatever. Or it's possible that this verse has been misunderstood in its application. And this is why it's so important to me to take a few minutes to try to clarify, if I can, what this actually means. So here's, here's the verse, and here's the promise, if you haven't read it already. Here it is, verse 7. And this is coming right on the heels of the prayer and petition, make your request known to God, and, verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? I mean, doesn't that sound awesome? I mean, really, truthfully, like that is standalone. That is really good. And listen, that's true. Okay, I believe that the Bible is true. Like, I'm not trying to prove this isn't true. This is true. This is, this is good. That the peace of God, can you imagine this? Having, having something in your pocket where you could pull it out, and I'm feeling anxious, but oh, here we go. It's a formula, right? If I do this and this and this, then, 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 then the peace of God, which transcends or passes, that Greek word is huper or hyper, we get our word from that, hyper, addictive, whatever, hyper, whatever, it's above, like it goes beyond understanding. It'll guard your heart, the things you, you feel, your beliefs, your convictions, and your mind, the thoughts that come in and rage in you and all the worries you have. It's going to guard that. And your name is going to be so good that you won't even be able to explain how awesome this feeling is. I mean, that's what the verse seems to suggest. That after you pray in the worry cycle, 
Just wait for it. Wait for it. It's going to come. It's like a, a soothing morning breeze after it's been hot the night before. Like you're going to wake up. There's going to be, you know, a beautiful sunrise. There's going to even be music playing in the background of your life. And there's going to be a beautiful seashore. And everything is going to come. And you're going to wonder, how did I even get here? I was so anxious and now I'm not. This is the peace of God that transcends all understanding. will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And here's, here's my fear for us. My fear for us is that we take a verse like this and plug and play in every area of our life and think, this has got to work. I've got to feel this peace of God in the middle of my deepest anxiety, and there must be something wrong with me if I don't, or there's even worse, something wrong with God if this doesn't come. And so, if it doesn't happen, I'm going to walk. Why would I keep using a product that doesn't work? And that's my fear for us, that we misunderstand this. So it's almost like saying, uh, some, some of you are married, and I'm looking at right now, and those listening online, you're, you're, you're married. If you're married, you've been married for any amount of years, you have a, a young person come to you who's in the dating world, and they want to know, man, how do you find the one? Okay, and then, of course, you say, because you're smart, it's actually more about being the right one than finding the right one, but anyway, we can have the conversation, all right? How do you find the one? And here, here's a simple formula, right? Well, you find somebody, you fall in love, you get married. Isn't that how it works? Right? I mean, isn't that it? That's the formula, right? Well, how simple is that? Those of you who are dating are like, man, that's not simple at all. Man, I don't know. But you're married. Like, Well, that's actually the formula, right? Like, how silly would it be? to think all we need to do is apply a formula with that kind of complexity to a young adult and say, it's simple. Just find somebody, fall in love, get married. <laughs> the way it actually works, you find somebody you think you're halfway attracted to and you date for a little while and then, boom, it's broken off and all kinds of stuff and you learn a lot about you and them and then you try it again and it doesn't work, you try it again and whatever. Sometimes it goes on for years, right? And sometimes it never happens and sometimes it works right away. But the reality is the process is messy and complicated. And this is the same, I believe, for finding, if you will, the peace of God. This verse, this verse here, verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's an assumption that we have of immediacy and simplicity that I think is simply not there. This verse doesn't suggest timing, number one. It doesn't also suggest simplicity. It doesn't suggest that right away, like you close your eyes, take the heaviest burdens of your soul. Let me go back to Vernon and Deb for a minute. You just found out that Marina tried to kill your spouse. Just, just pray. Just quick. Hey, Vernon, just, just pray quick. Open your eyes, and you should feel a peace that transcends all understanding. Now, sometimes that happens. Like, sometimes that does happen. Listen, it does. sometimes it is a complex process that takes time to keep coming to. This is the reality. As we think about it, Worries, if you will, come in different sizes. I think we know that. Like some worries are small. I'm going to go um, like McDonald's size on it. Some are small, some are medium, some are large. Some worries are small, like what am I going to wear this morning? Although maybe for you that's a large concern. I don't know. For me it's usually a small concern. What am I going to wear? That, those small concerns, those can be handled with Dr. Phil. That's really all I need. You know, real simple advice from somebody. Medium concerns, that might be, you know, what am I going to, what kind of car am I going to buy? What kind of house am I going to buy? Maybe what kind of job am I going to take? Large concerns, now we're talking about the story you just heard up here this morning. Now we're talking about stories of, of cancer, or debilitating diseases. And so it would be foolish 
to suggest to somebody who's dealing with a large concern, why don't you do the same thing and follow the same process that the person with a small concern is having? Like, when someone comes, like Tracy Walsh breaks her arm in a car accident last week, the doctor doesn't say, Tracy, here's some Advil, I know you're in pain, take two and call me in the morning. Like, this is a bigger deal, you have to do something different because the significance of this is different than a headache, even though you're both experiencing pain. And so, for some of us, when we go through periods of life that are more anxious or deeper than other times, we can get into those deep waters and wonder, God, I don't feel in this moment, I don't feel your peace. Like, I don't feel the sense that you're actually in control. I want to feel that. I want to believe that. But in the moment, I'm not feeling that. And so I don't know if this is working. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Like, maybe I'm not spiritual enough. Maybe there's sin in my life. Like, maybe... There's something wrong with you, God. Like, maybe you're not delivering on your promise. Like, what is going on here? And what I don't want for us is to really go on either one of those and maybe suggest there's another way to understand this. And so, let me talk then about what is the peace of God. Because this is really the issue. Paul says the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. As I think about the peace of God, I think about it... um, that Hebrew word uh, we've talked about here before called shalom. It's this fullness of God. In other words, real simply, it's uh, the world as it's designed to be with no problems. <laughs> it's what God created in the Garden of Eden. A pure, intimate relationship with him, with no worries, no struggles, nothing. That There's a peace that comes from God. This is the peace of God. And, and what Paul says is it's going to guard your heart and mind, this peace that comes, this idea that God's fullness will guard your heart and mind. It transcends or passes understanding. And here's what I think he means by that. That as it goes past understanding, it allows people um, like Horatio Spafford. Some of you know who Horatio Spafford is. He wrote one of my favorite hymns, and many of you know that song and would sing it if I started to sing it, which I'm not going to do. But it is well is the name of the song that, that he wrote. And he wrote it out of the uh, context of deep pain in which he lost his family uh, in a tragic accident. And so Spafford writes a song about things being well after he loses his family. How do you do that? And this is the depth of conviction that God's peace can reign even if I don't feel in the moment that everything is awesome. Like, even in the moment when I learn that I lose my wife and my kids, how do I pen the words to a hymn that says, it is well with my soul? Like, how do you do that? Unless you recognize that the peace of God is more than the feeling that that kind of comes over your soul and gives you a feeling of awesomeness. At sometimes maybe that's true, but at a deeper level, especially on the bigger issues like what we heard about here this morning, the shalom or the peace of God is this deep conviction of the soul that says, even though I don't understand it now, this peace of God, and track with me on this one, this peace of God draws me into something more than I even see on this planet. Last week, if you were here, I said, why is it that that Paul gives us, or in the New Testament, gives us commands that cannot be fulfilled. Like, fear not, do not be anxious, be perfect. Why is that? I suggested perhaps 
that it's a draw to us of what we were actually designed for, that it's a draw to hope for heaven and the encouragement of what comes. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, draws us into something that has yet to be experienced, which is why Spafford can even write, it is well with my soul when everything around me is going crazy. And I would bet that in that moment he didn't feel awesome, but he felt secure in God's sovereignty. Enough to write when peace like a river, attendeth my soul, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, God has taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And so Paul says this peace of God, it passes understanding. And it's meant to guard your heart and mind. That is, as you know, a military term. You can almost imagine a, a garrison being built up within both your heart in your mind, your convictions, your feelings, your beliefs, and your thoughts of what comes. And here's, here's what I want you to, to imagine. I want you to imagine that, that God is saying, what I want to do for you is I want to build in you, build in your inner person, a place where you can run to when anxiety like an enemy is coming on you. I want to invite you in to the protection of my sovereignty Come behind the walls, allow the darts and the arrows of all the things that will make you anxious to be stopped by my sovereign control of the world. And that when you look out through the windows of this garrison that I will create for you and you see the enemy approaching, because by the way, the enemy will not stop, it will continue to come. Like I want you to to trust me. I want you to submit yourself to my sovereignty. I want to, you to submit yourself to this, that I will guard you. I will guard your heart and mind. And he finishes with a preposition. It's very important. Guard your heart and mind. And verse 7 finishes with three words. Look at your text again to see those three words so you know I'm not making it up. Well, guard your hearts and minds in, what are the next two words? Christ Jesus will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We can skip it quickly, but we shouldn't. Because here's what I think he's saying. If you believe in Jesus Christ, this is the essence of the gospel. Like, this is what Jesus did, isn't it? Did not Jesus die to bring us peace with God? Did Jesus not die to, to reconcile sinful man to God? Did Jesus not die to bring us as humans who are far from God near to him? Is this not why when Jesus died, the, the temple uh, curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, and Christians, believers, all humanity has an invitation to find peace with God through Jesus Christ. And so if you call yourself a Christian... Like, this is what you believe, and this is the implications of the gospel for you, that if you, you're a Christian, it's not just so that when I die, I go to heaven and I can avoid hell. That is not, that's not all there is. It's also what does life look like? And what does life look like when the anxieties and the worries are coming? Here's what Paul's saying. You, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are in the garrison. Like, 
know you're here. Know you're here. Don't be afraid of the things that are coming on the outside to you. Trust me, the peace of God, which transcends understanding, it will guard your hearts and minds. Activate that faith you have. Believe it. Faith and worry are competitors for your soul and for mine. And so here's what Paul says, and I believe it's true. Hear me well. Verse 7 is very true. The peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Very true. Let me also tell you this. It sometimes doesn't feel awesome because I am still anxious when I sit even in that garrison and look out. When I pray and the issues are not resolved and are not removed and are not taken away, I can still look out and say, God, I don't know if you're big enough to handle like that arrow is coming pretty high. I don't know if that wall can take it. Like they're coming hard, and I don't know if I can. Like I still feel the anxiety of what will happen if this breaks down. But here's what I have to ask myself: What's my alternative to handling this? What's my alternative? I step outside of the guard of God's sovereignty, and I say, "Man, I got this. God, I got this. Bring it on." That works well when it's a matter of what am I going to wear this morning? Or maybe even what kind of car am I going to buy? But when you start talking about things that Vernon and Deb were talking about this morning, you start talking about deeper issues, <laughs> in a hurry my life is blown up if I'm not finding the depth of conviction about the peace of God in the gospel of Christ Jesus who died so that I might find peace with God. If this is what you believe in the gospel, this is the invitation of Paul. Believe it. Trust it. Now, in the book of Isaiah, there's this verse there that um, summarizes, I think, so well what I'm trying to communicate and makes it really simple. I'm going to put a simple statement on the screen in a minute, and it's going to seem so simple. You might think, man, he's really trying to simplify what's complex. No, I'm trying to make memorable something that I hope will help you because I think finding the peace of God is long term. So Isaiah 26.3, many of you know this. Um, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Some of you have heard that before. And here's again the theme in the scriptures of God's peace being delivered to those who believe. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. The suggestion there is my mind by itself will not stay on the things that it's supposed to stay on. I don't know about you. Mine doesn't. And I pray, give it to God, quote unquote, and then I take it right back. Right? Like that, that's just the way I can function. And so I, I want to trust, I want to stay, but I sometimes don't. And this is where I believe that the peace of God comes in its longevity. And here's the, here's the phrase, all right? the real simple thing that I hope you can remember from all of what I had this to say this morning. And it's this, after you pray, stay. After you pray, stay. After, instead of being anxious in anything, with everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we make our request known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Yes. 
but you, like me, are also prone to move out from that conviction that God has got this. We're prone to move away. We're prone to worry again. We're prone to remove ourselves from that position that on a good day, when the sun is shining, we believe this is true, but on hard days, we move from. And here's the appeal, I believe, the Scripture is like, when you, after you pray, like, stay. Stay in that belief. Stay in that conviction. Jesus did die for your sins. He did come back to life again. And because of that, He wants to bring peace to you. wants to bring you to God together. Like, stay in that. So that like Horatio Spafford, you might be able to say, in the middle of all this junk and the tension and whatever, like, and peace like a river attends my soul. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, God has taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And I've found the peace, the shalom of God, which passes all understanding. I want us to grow up in this. This is hard. I want us to grow up. Faith and worry are competitors. Trust, believe that Jesus has brought to you the peace for God. Now, if you're someone who likes to know that's all good and stuff, but what can I do next week? I'm going to tell you what you can do. So come on back next week for part four of Killing Chicken Little. Let's pray. Our good God and Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and for the chance to engage it and to see the promises of your word. I pray that you would give us courage, faithfulness, and resoluteness as a people to keep driving hard after you and to keep leaning into your promises and to to keep trusting where it is very difficult. And so for those of us this morning who are, are wrestling with that peace right now, who want to move away from the safety of the, the garrison of your sovereignty and the, the protection that you provide, uh, man, I, I just pray that you would help us to see the long view that you indeed are sovereign, good, strong, gracious God. Father, you call us to things and you, you draw us into waters that are deeper than we can stand in. You, you move us in our faith and want to move us in our faith to believe you for things that otherwise we wouldn't believe you for. And so as faith and worry compete for our soul and our heart, may you give us the courage to believe so that we will not be like the seed that is sown and that, that maturity is choked out and that we never grow the way we should. Give us the courage to do what we know we need to do. And help us to believe you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.